stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo to talk about what I think is a very important topic. This is a, this is a serious podcast this week on how long you should hold your losing stocks, not your winners, but your losers. We've talked about this topic a lot on the podcast over the years. Usually I have Kevin Cook on and he gives us all of his wisdom. I'm going to share some of his wisdom today as well, even though he's not on today. But um, I feel like this is a timely topic, strangely enough, here in July 2023, even though the overall market is rallying and we're having this big new record highs on some of the tech stocks, uh, the Magnificent Seven, so to speak, those are rallying. So what's the problem? Who's holding any losing stocks? But a lot of us are. So I follow a lot of dividend investors on Twitter. I think I've mentioned this in the past. And this week, many of them are tweeting out about what they're doing with some of their big dividend pairs. But these dividend pairs are ones that are now hitting decade or even multi-decade lows, not the highs. So they're all debating, right? Do you stay in it? Do you double down and dollar cost average as it's hitting those lows? Or do you sell and get out of there? So selling a stock as it hits new lows, but especially multi-decade ones, especially if you're a long-term investor and you see it sink like that, it, it basically is very difficult to pull the trigger there as it sinks, right? Like we've all been in this situation. You just get like something in the pit of your stomach as you're watching it declining It's probably been declining for a while, so you're thinking it can't go any lower, but then it does, and then you don't really know what to do. You get kind of paralyzed by decisions, and nobody likes to take a loss. We don't want to sell at the lows, as I mentioned, because we think it can turn around, so why would I sell it here? So Also keep in mind, even though this discussion was going on with some dividend paying stocks, there are some non-dividend payers right now. I want to call them the old economy stocks that are also hitting new multi-year or even close to multi-decade lows as well. So it's not even just the dividend side that's the issue. Um, But first, when we are talking about selling, as I mentioned, we have to tap the Uh, instructions and wisdom of my colleague here at Zach's, Kevin Cook, who always says the one thing whenever I have him on a show like this about, you know, whether or not you should be uh, getting out of stocks or selling or anything uh, uh, along those lines. He always says one thing, have a plan. So what was the purpose of this investment originally? That's what you should be asking yourself. Are you still accomplishing the goals from the plan? So a 90-year-old investor may be in a stock solely to get that dividend. He or she may be living off the income if it has a dividend. And that's why they bought it in the beginning, because they wanted that payout and they're they're spending the money. They're not buying more shares with it. They're just spending it. So they may you know, be fine staying in a stock that's hitting multi-decade lows because they're in it for the dividend as long as that's still being paid out, right? Right. 
But a younger investor, say a 30-year-old, may care more about growing the principal than you know, actually getting a dividend, or maybe they kind of want to do both. They're hoping to do both. They're hoping to get some kind of nice dividend and grow their base investment in it as well. But either way, both of these types of investors have to have a plan. You may also want to have to have a plan if some kind of outside event happens. So if it's a dividend paying stock, what's your plan if the dividend is cut? or suspended? Do you sell? Do you buy more? What are you doing if that were to happen? Also, if management were to leave, if a star CEO suddenly retires or just leaves, are you staying in? Is that uh, part of your plan? If the shares hit some kind of preset low, so if they hit five-year lows or 10-year lows, Do you have like a trigger mechanism to sell automatically at certain levels? Someone on Twitter tweeted at me that he sells if a stock declines at 8%. Some others may sell if it declines 10 or even 20%, or maybe it's 50, 50 50% from where they bought in and then they sell and get out of there. But any of these plans are your own plan. No plan is going to be the same for every investor. We're all in different situations. We all have different goals. And so our plan has to reflect what our investing goals are, not someone else. But if you make a plan, that'll help make you feel like you're more in control. Even if the stock is at multi-year lows or decade lows, if you have some kind of plan, as long as you follow it, right? Because that's a separate thing. You may have a plan in mind. You may say, oh, if it declines more than 20 or 20%, I'm selling it and then not sell it. And then maybe the stock goes down 30 or 40, but you had the plan to sell at 20 and now it's way past that plan. So you might have to have a new plan if that happens. And that's normal too. Many of us ignore our plans. I've been there too. So let's take a look at a bunch of the stacks that kind of fall in this situation. I know many of you are in these. They're well-known names. We've all been in losing stocks. Even Warren Buffett has been in losers. So the question is, Does a multi-decade low, does that equal blood in the streets where you should be diving in there because it's so bad and it's so cheap that, you know, this is when you should get in? Or is it a sign that there's something else wrong with the business and you really should be getting out? Should you hold on? That's the question. Um, So let's take a look at a couple of these names. So the first two that come to mind are the ones that some of these dividend investors were talking about on Twitter. I think you already know what ones I'm going to talk about, and it is Verizon, ticker VZ, and AT&T, ticker T. So these are uh, heavily bought by income investors because they pay those big dividends. So Verizon right now, I saw the dividend when I was writing this up was at 7.7%. Might even be closer to eight right now. Um, AT&T's was similar, also at 7.7 when I was 
drafting this, but that might be up a little higher, closer to eight as well, because the stocks just sold off. So how bad is it? Verizon, I saw, was the lowest since 1997, although somewhere else it said it was the lowest in 13 years. I don't know. It's at least a decade low with Verizon. It's pretty bad. AT&T, um, that one's even worse, the lowest since 1992. So that's covering a lot of space in there when you're talking about a couple of decades. So why are these so low? They already were um, on the downward drift already. And now uh, one of the newspapers was talking about how these companies used lead covered cables, apparently, allegedly, um, when they were laying the cable years and years ago, that may have to be cleaned up um, or replaced. And that could cost a lot of money. So a lot of times with these uh, big companies, you get some kind of litigation that can cause you know investors to say, nope, don't want to be in that. I'm getting out. So that added to the sell-off, which is why we had um, the big decline. But as I mentioned, most of the decline did not come suddenly because of these articles that are coming out with this lead-covered cable issue. They were already on the decline. So I went back and looked at the 10-year returns for both of these, starting on January 2nd, 2013, and this was through July 17, 2023. And Verizon was down 26.9% um, over that 10-year period. Uh, the S&P 500, if you had just bought that, was up 217%. The NASDAQ was up 371%. But that was the end of the bear market 2013, the secular bear, and the start of kind of the new uh, mini bull here that we've been seeing over the last decades. So not surprisingly, the major indexes were up during that time period. But Verizon was not. You did get the dividend, but the just the stock, this does not include any dividends, was down um, significantly. Now, AT&T was worse over the 10 years, down 46.5% over that 10-year period. A lot of it happening in the last couple of years, the last two years, really. So um, it's not like this, uh, and this happens a lot of times with some of these um, big companies, there's been something that has kind of not been liked about it in the business for a while. And then maybe you get like some kind of litigation or some other issue that really spikes the shares down. So is this like a buying opportunity for some of these? Verizon's PE is just 6.7. AT&T's is 5.6, right? But the street hates uncertainty. So right now, with this new article out about the lead-covered cables, we don't even know what's going to be going on with that. Um, so that's the problem, right? That uh, a lot of investors are like, nope, don't want to deal with what I don't know and what might have to be paid, if anything, nobody knows. So they just get out altogether. And that kind of event reminds me a lot of what happened to the cigarette manufacturers in the 80s, 90s, and even 2000s. So at the time, it was Philip Morris, now Altria, ticker MO, so the tobacco litigation actually began to kind of pick up steam in the 1980s. By the 1990s, 
people were starting to figure out ways to win against the tobacco companies. Because you remember before that, most of the cases were thrown out. They couldn't prove causation, but that started to change. In February 2000, a California jury ordered Philip Morris to pay $51 million to a smoker with lung cancer. Uh, A bunch of states pooled together to sue all the tobacco companies in the late uh, 1990s. And then those cases came together in a class action resolution in the 2000s. And they had uh, finally resolved it in like 2007, 2008 period. And uh, Altria had to do a big payout over 25 years. And it was about $25 billion in all these settlements with the states and things. So um, it took a long time. There was uncertainty there for a long time. Uh, Philip Morris kept paying its dividend throughout the years. So some investors kind of stayed the course. I looked at 1985 to 2000 with um, Altria stock. So it was up 605% versus 700% for the S&P 500 and 1,346% for the NASDAQ because the dot-com boom, of course. So it trailed the S&P 500, but not by much, even though it did have a big sell-off in like the early 90s when some of the litigation was heating up and there was a lot of uncertainty about uh, the future of the cigarette companies and the makers. But uh, it, it kept going. It survived and kept going. Um, and then I looked at the decade of the dot-com bus. So that California jury came in in February 2000. So from January 2000 through December 31st, 2007, uh, the end of 2007, when they were making these settlements, um, Altria, as it was, it changed its name, MO, was up 262% during that bear market S&P was down 1% for those seven years, and the NASDAQ was still down, down 39.5%. So investors did rotate into the value-oriented stocks, those that paid dividends, anything that was not technology. um, Commodities were hot, but Philip Morris or Altria, as it became known, was one of the hotter ones, even with all this uncertainty going on. But it did have some certainty, like it became pretty clear they were going to have to pay some kind of settlement. But once it becomes clear like what it is, usually that takes away some of the uncertainty. Um, the shares for Altria actually have not performed well over the last 10 years because this was more of a bull growth stock market. You did not need to be buying dividend pairs from 2013 to 2023. So it was only up 44.3% over that time. 10-year time period. And remember, the NASDAQ was up 371% and the S&P 500 up 217%. It still continues to pay the big dividend even today. I haven't looked at it in a while, but it is yielding 8.3% right now. So um, it survived its big litigation and it kept its dividend mostly intact. And that kept some investors still in the stock. So this doesn't really tell you much about what may happen with Verizon or AT&T, right? Because it's all over the place and it's over a almost 40-year time period for this stock. And it did depend on when you bought the stock, uh, what your, you know, your basis was, 
um, what you did with the dividend, what the dividend was yielding at the time, and what was going on in the rest of the stock market. So, um, but Altria, this does remind me a lot of what happened. Another one that's kind of uh, similar, that's reminding me of, uh, you know, these kind of big event things with the lawsuit is 3M. That's been in the news recently because they just announced that they came to a resolution on that litigation about the forever chemicals in the water and they're paying out 10.3 billion now they announced and that's payable over 13 years so now the street knows but these uh the shares did hit new 10-year lows in may of 2023 and um so that's you know pretty pretty low down there it's up only 9.3% over the last 10 years. And again, just to remind you, the NASDAQ was up 371%, S&P up 217%. Over the last two years, 3M is actually down 49%. So that kind of uh, confirms what I was saying. With a lot of these companies hitting multi-decade lows, it's usually not just that uh, litigation. There's other things in play. The stocks are usually pretty weak years ahead of whatever it is that's going on. And they kind of just drift down lower. We all know, right? We've all been in stocks like this that keep hitting the new lows. Um, and we're all still kind of in them, right? That's the thing. So 3M, uh, it does pay a dividend. It's keeping some investors around. It's almost 5.9% yield right now. It is a dividend aristocrat. Uh, and it's so it's paid it without interruption for 100 years. And it's increased it for 64 consecutive years. Now, just because it keeps paying it doesn't mean it will in the future. But um, 3M, it has shown that it, is staying the course, at least for now. So you are getting that dividend. PE is at 11.7 right now. So it's cheap as well. Um, so 3M, that's the situation there. I know many of you are in that one. Um, another one that uh, is out there that you're hearing about the multi-year lows is Disney, ticker DIS. And I can't even tell you how many people I know who bought this stock in a stock college fund for their children, you know, maybe even 10 years ago because they were going to invest in Disney. That's what the kids were interested in. They're going to Disney World, they're watching the movies. And how could you go wrong, right? Except Disney now at June 2014 lows. And it's not even paying a dividend anymore. It slashed the dividend when the pandemic started. It has not brought it back. Over the last 10 years, Disney shares are up 72.2%. So far better than some of these others have been doing during that 10-year period. But again, remember the NASDAQ up 371 and the S&P 500 up 217. Over the last two years, Disney shares now down 52.3%. And again, I know many people who bought this for kids' college funds. They're getting closer to college now and you're down 52.3% and you're not getting a dividend. But a lot of people, uh, you know, you have to have a plan, so know what your strategy is. 
and um, they believe in Disney. And Bob Iger, the former CEO, has come back. We'll see if he can start to make some changes to turn around some things. It's not an altogether cheap stock here, even with the decline on a PE basis, at least. PE is still 22.8. And again, it does not have that dividend. So that does annoy a lot of investors. Another one that we've talked about on the podcast is similar to all this and is old economy. And it is... Uh, back to June 2012 levels uh, is Walgreens. We've talked about them, WBA. And this one from 2000 to 2023. So 23 years of owning this stock, it's up only 4.3%. That does not include dividends, however. The S&P is up 224% during that 23 years, and the NASDAQ's up 261.5%. So a lot of underperformance there. It too has the huge dividend yielding 6.5% now. And we talked about this on the episode I did with the dividend aristocrats because it's one too. It has paid it for more than 90 years as Walgreens and now as Walgreens Boots Alliance. And it has declared the recent dividend. That's, this was just recent. It declared the 48 cents for the quarter. And so for shareholders, as of August 21st, you'll get paid out on September 12th, 2023. But the stock, again, continues to slide. If it uh, kind of can't hold these current June 2012 levels, the next leg down I see on the chart is to August 2010. So we'll see what happens here. It is cheap, as I mentioned at the prior podcast, PE of 7.3, but a lot going on in the businesses too. It is a Zach's number five strong sell because those estimates were cut. It's already reported earnings a couple of weeks ago. And it's still uh, struggling a bit here. So analysts cutting those estimates. So you can kind of see a pattern with a lot of these. The stocks have been in trouble for a while. That's why having a plan even as, you know, oh, if it hits whatever level I'm getting out can be good. But maybe you're in it for a different reason. Maybe you are in Altria for that 8% yield. And you want that income because you're using it to live off of and for other things. So there's always different reasons to stay in certain stocks. And um, we nobody knows the future. So we don't know what's going to happen with each of these. But uh, momentum always begets more momentum. So unfortunately, that happens on the upside as we're seeing with the Magnificent Seven right now, but it can also happen on the downside because when I recorded the podcast about the dividend aristocrats, it was a couple of weeks ago, Walgreens was near lows then and it remains near lows now several weeks later. So, um, you know, the momentum is, is to the downside, but know your plan, know your strategy, know what your risk tolerance is, and people getting in at different times will have different outcomes. And um, that's all you can do. But really follow Kevin Cooker's advice to have that plan. It'll make you feel at least somewhat more in control. And um, that's a good thing. And also remember that there's over 4,000 stocks that Zacks covers on the Zacks rank. 
There's even more than that that are just on the Wilshire Index. But for the Zacks rank, we cover over 4,000 stocks. I think it might even be close to 5,000 now, um, but it's a lot. So there's always more than just what these stocks are that I just mentioned. There's a lot of good businesses you can own out there. So um, don't be paralyzed by fear of, you know, I don't know what to do with this one stock. And uh, sometimes you just have to rip the Band-Aid off. I've had to do that myself. But some other times, maybe your plan can work to hold dollar cost average and get that dividend if they're paying it. Always be alert for any of these uh, companies on is that dividend going to be paid out because you never know when a dividend aristocrat is going to throw in the towel on the dividend. Um, I am kind of surprised that Disney has not brought it back yet, but things are not going according to plan over there. So um, they still are on the sidelines with their old dividend that many people did rely on. So keep those things in mind, but it's difficult to be in one of these stocks, no doubt about it. And it was not easy to be an Altria shareholder all of those years either when there was a lot going on with that stock. Um, So, you know, hang in there and have a plan. Okay, so let's recap the stock tickers again. There was Verizon, ticker VZ. AT&T is just T as in Tom, T. Then we had Disney, ticker DIS. We had Walgreens, Boots Alliance, WBA. WB as in boy, A as in Adam. We had 3M, which is just triple M, M as in Mary, M as in Mary, M as in Mary. And then we did talk about Altria. It's seemingly past its storm. Ticker MO is the ticker there. And as always, you want to be sure to subscribe so you get us somewhere. Uh, We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on YouTube. You can find us on our YouTube page, YouTube Podcasts. Get us somewhere, but I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.